Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Four twenty-one on WHBY Real Local Radio. I'm Haley Tenpass. This is Focus Fox Valley, and we are talking now about the return of some very important connections. You know, just last week, the Wisconsin Department of Health Services announced some new guidelines for nursing home facilities, expanding their indoor visitation guidelines, and that means that visitations will resume at many facilities across the state. I can't imagine some of the happy reunions and moments that must be happening. So we are talking now all about this. Joining us now is Dale Leonard. He's the admissions coordinator at American Grand Assisted Living in Nina. Their reopening began Monday, and we're learning more about what those first few days have been like. Dale joins us now on our Settlers Bank phone lines. Good afternoon, Dale. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Haley. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm sure it's been a fantastic week for you over at American Grand. I'm just kind of curious, Dale, what were your initial reactions to those guidelines uh, last week? Well, we can't be more excited. Uh, We've been anticipating this uh, for quite a while. And, uh, you know, we're looking at these residents every single day and uh, not being able to provide them something so crucial as contact with a family member or you know, being part of that birthday party mm-hmm. or that special event. And now, you know, that's all a reality. And, and it's so wonderful to be able to reunite these residents with their loved ones. It really is. Before we dive into some of the that wonderful news, Dale, I'm just kind of curious for our listeners, what has the past year during our pandemic kind of been like for you and the, and the residents too? Oh, wow. That's, that's a tough answer because there's so much involved. Uh, the past year, it's, it's been kind of a learn as you go. You know, none of us have gone through that kind mm-hmm. of uh, situation before. And it really took a lot of education and teamwork. And, you know, things were changing all the time. Everything was so fluid. And uh, it really, it was always about the residents and their safety and, and uh, still trying to maintain, you know, the side of, of the happiness and, and our, our mantra here is in the pursuit of happiness, but always some, you know, bringing that in and as well as keeping people safe. It was, it was a hard balance, but, you know, with the teamwork that we did put forward and uh, the forward thinking that we had in preparing our, our business for, uh, you know, the different kinds of concerns, um, we were able to get through it. And we're so thankful, obviously, with all the support that we were given by the community, the community, was so important and crucial for us in the, in the beginning stages when we were planning what we were doing. Uh, we've got a lot of, of people that would, would donate uh, um, hand sanitizer and, you know, anything that they felt that was needed, uh, care packages, things were delivered. Uh, it was just a community reaching out uh, to help those in need. And 
it was truly a, a wonderful being part of that process was wonderful. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that, Dale. And I think over this past year, one thing that always brought a smile to my heart was was seeing, you know, the community step up, of course, but specifically when it comes to these assisted living facilities, seeing, you know, how people were rallying to support their family members. They're maybe visiting from a, a window or, or leaving notes or, or or pictures and drawings and crafts and, and, and still trying to keep those connections, even though we weren't able to physically see each other and touch each other. You know, Haley, that's where I'll get a little emotional because you did see a lot of that relationship. Uh, you know, people just created love, mm. and it, it occurred all around our building. And we even had, like, children uh, that lived in the area would put, uh, they would color, uh, you know, do a coloring project and then put them on the windows so the residents could see them. And uh, many hearts uh, all over our windows. And, you know, the... Uh, there were a lot of creative things that families did as well. Uh, the drive-by uh, birthday parties, the uh, kneeling in front of the window and, and doing hand signals and, you know, being able to communicate in a way that only loved ones can do. Um, it, it truly was special to be a part of that, but also very, very uh, emotional mm-hmm. to be so grateful to be inside the building and, and knowing that you wish that they were as well. Um, but, you know, thank goodness that, that everyone here at American Grand, we've, we've kept healthy. And, uh, and it's all been part of that whole process of, um, you know, the teamwork and, and education and then community involvement really was, was the crux of, of how we got through this. Well, of course, Dale, some very happy news and uh, even happier day on Monday when you started welcoming and reopening your doors. Tell us about the the vibe at American Grand. How are the residents reacting? Well, can we get back to normal? That's more difficult than just saying it, but certainly we're heading in that direction. Uh, You know, hearing from the family members, and I was part of several of the, the technologies that we would use to keep families together you know, the Skyping and the FaceTime and, and uh, Facebook Messenger and such. And, and, and I would see the, uh, the connectiveness at that point. And, and, you know, the family members were just so concerned, obviously, about what the future would bring. But now we know what the future will bring. And that, that means that our doors are coming open and we're inviting family members back inside. And, uh, you know, what's so crucial to folks that are in long-term care facilities are really the relationships that they have left in their life. And uh, isolation is just as bad as, of, of a killer than as, as the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is. And we certainly uh, really appreciate uh, the family members always, you know, being there and supporting us and encouraging us to do the right thing, even though, you know, grandma couldn't be there for the birthday party or they couldn't be a part of, of a, a family event. We had to create that inside our doors here, and uh, we are so excited to now welcome folks back into the building. This is really, you know, I told this the other day to Kathy on her show, uh, it was, it, this is what makes American Grand amazing is our connectivity, uh, our ability to reach out to our families and our, and our residents and, and how we keep them connected, um, bringing folks together. Uh, lots of parties and, and get-togethers and things that we have inside the building here that, that we've missed that are all coming back. You know, those non-essential employees that we were not able to have come into the building are now being welcomed back, and that's the spa and, you know, other areas of the, the building with 
the live performances that we have and, um, you know, just those featured, those comfort features that certainly have, have not been the priority, but certainly will be coming back. And mm-hmm. I can't be more excited. And the residents, they, they are so excited. Uh, every day coming to work, it, it's so, you know, you never know what, what the day is going to bring because everyone has a whole different perspective on life. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Such good things to hear, Dale. Dale Leonard, my guest, admissions coordinator at American Grand Assisted Living. And Nina, as we, you know, gently approach uh, what we hope to be a little bit of normalcy, this is certainly wonderful news. Anything planned in the in, in the near future for folks who, who want to come visit someone? Or what is the, I guess, the, uh, the rule if people want to come and visit their loved ones at American Grand? Yeah, thanks for asking, Haley. Um, certainly our doors are open and... Uh, we are still asking, you know, the, the visitors that come to the building to uh, be mindful of having their, their facial coverings still, using proper hand hygiene, still maintaining distance, although when those can show us their card that shows that they've been vaccinated, they will be able to come in uh, and not have to worry about those features of concern. Uh, so certainly there's an incentive if those folks that have had the vaccine are able to come and, and be with their loved ones. Uh, and, and everyone that's in that group are, are vaccinated, then there wouldn't be any limitations. However, there are some things that we will monitor here in the entry area if there's a, you know, a symptom being shown or we'll still be taking temperatures, we'll still be testing. We can do instant testing as well, where if we were concerned, we can do an instant 15-minute uh, test and that will permit them from and, and allow them to come into the building and have their visit. We're going to do everything in our power to keep these families together. And uh, it's, it's certainly wonderful how much we've been able to. Uh, we've always had tests available. We've always been able to test our residents every week, as well as our staff. And uh, so whatever we can do to maintain these relationships is really our goal. Well, Dale, again, great to hear all of this and so happy for your residents at American Grand. So thank you for sharing a bit of what this next step has meant for them and for you and for telling all of us here on Focus Fox Valley. Thank you for being with us today, Dale. Well, thank you so much for having me, Healy. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Dale Leonard, Admissions Coordinator at American Grand Assisted Living in Nina. Your CBS and local news headlines are coming up next. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley here on WHBY, real local radio connecting you to organizations in our community. And today we are looking ahead to National Healthcare Decisions Day coming up on April 16th. And today's information is all about a series of conversations happening in the Fox Valley surrounding advanced pl- pl- advanced care planning, but also why we need to be making decisions about our health care and the future of our health. Joining us now is Ellen Kosky. She is the director of the Fox Valley Advanced Care Planning Partnership, and she joins us now on our Settlers Bank phone lines. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to dive into this conversation. And, you know, I'm happy to be doing it because it's kind of a it's kind of a very sensitive topic, I would say, uh, and, and can be tricky to navigate at times. But that's what Box Valley Advanced Care Planning Partnership is is all about. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, you're exactly right. I always say that, you know, talking about uh, you know, our, our future healthcare wishes, including end of life, is, is one of the most universal experiences. I mean, we're all going to go through it. We've all experienced loss, but it's also the most personal experience. Everybody is different, and so it's really important to, um, to approach it in that way. But, um, so that's why uh, the Fox Valley Advanced Care Planning Partnership is here. Um, we are a true collaboration between State of Care, Ascension Wisconsin, Mosaic Family Health in Appleton, and then the Fox Valley community. And these organizations and community members are working together to make advanced care planning and these really important conversations part of living. Um, we're trying to normalize talking about this and um, and making it making helping people get more comfortable because we know that it can be an uncomfortable conversation um, but we're also offering um, and have available free resources um, for community members to help with the most difficult parts including the legal documents um, and also having those conversations and learning more about what types of decisions we may be faced with as we get older. Ellen, I think one of the key things about Fox Valley Advanced Care Planning is that you really have a team approach. You mentioned the different um, healthcare organizations involved. Why is it that team approach that is so helpful in this? Well, what we really need, I mean, this is, this is again, an uncomfortable and complex topic. Yeah. And we need to have consistent messaging coming from our doctor's offices, consistent messaging coming from our faith leaders, coming from our HR directors, coming from family members. And so what we're trying to do is all be on the same page, share resources, and provide opportunities for community members together. So we have, you know, um, our two large health systems, both at the table, both working together to make this easier for people to, um, again, to normalize it and to really make it part of the way that we do business and the way that we offer care for everyone within the Fox Valley. It's really about, honestly, understanding and, um, and articulating and, and talking about what matters most to you. It's less about health medical treatment and, and um, you know, what we, what we may think of as, this, um, you know, hospitals and, and things like that, but more about what is what is life? What what is what are my values? What matters to me? What is the most meaningful part of my life? And who needs to know about that? So should something happen, um, decisions can be made uh, with that in mind, um, and really making sure that my life is honored um, to the very end. And I want our listeners to know we actually featured a conversation with uh, Theta Care and Ascension back in December, I believe. Ellen helped to coordinate that, so thank you so much. So if our listeners want to kind of hear about that collaboration, you can find that over at whby.com. But you're so right, Ellen. This is an, an uncomfortable conversation, but one that is so important. And I wish that it's something that I had realized was important uh, back before I got married and certainly before I started having children. Uh, so my husband and I are in the process right now of, of, of figuring these details out. So important. Mm-hmm. But So why is it important for 
this to be done by adults in Wisconsin, Ellen? Great question. Yes. Most people don't know that Wisconsin is one of only 10 states that is not a next of kin state. So we don't have what we call a surrogacy law for um, decision making. Should somebody lose the ability to to speak for themselves um, um, and and possibly be in a coma or be in a state where they're not able to make decisions? And so it's not um, in our law. It's not automatically uh, a person's spouse or their parent if they're not married or their adult child if um, they have children that are uh, over 18. Um, and so we are given the opportunity as Wisconsinites to make that decision. However, that means we need to complete the legal document um, to name who it is that we would want to speak for ourselves. So whether that be your, your spouse or your significant other, or maybe it's a really a good friend or somebody in your life that you would trust to speak for you, that, that's really the most important part. And that's what we work with people to help them, you know, figure out who that person is and what, what um, the legal piece of, of making sure that that is, in, that is in writing and those documents are completed. But a lot of people think, you know, oh, you know, if something happens, if I'm in an accident, my husband will be able to come and make my, make decisions. Or my, my parent, if say I'm an 18-year-old, you know, um, in a car accident or something like that. Not in our state. That's not how our, the law is set up. And so um, if that's kind of our, you know, a first step to say, you know, we, you need to protect yourself. We need to protect um, our family members and our loved ones to make sure that, you know, we can truly speak for them and make decisions um, before we need it. We have to, you know, we have to make these decisions. We have to act on this before we need it. And um, a common saying is it's always too soon until it's too late. It's really easy to to put this off and say, not now, you know, it's not the time or oh, I don't want to go there right now, but we just never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so um, kind of, you know, one, one way to think about it is if, if a crisis may happen. Um, and then another way to think about it is that long-term planning as well. Okay. So for maybe parents or grandparents listening out there, Ellen, should they be having a conversation with the recently turned 18 year olds of, of getting something in place right now? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's, and it's, that's probably the, it's the, that's the easiest place to start is mm. to say, okay, yes, you're 18 years old or you're 24 years old or you're 35 years old and you're young, you're healthy, you know, you're, you're, everything is ahead of you. Let's just get this legal paperwork done. Let's, who would you want to speak for you if you couldn't speak for yourself, you know, and then let's have a conversation about what we may want or how, you know, what our values are and, and what, um, what, what treatments we you know, may or may not want if it even goes there. So those early conversations, um, honestly, you know, are the, are the easiest to get started. It's just getting that paperwork done. Um, but then as life progresses, as things change, as maybe, you know, we experience, um, you know, someone with a serious illness or a death in our life, um, or we may have a diagnosis of our own, that's where we can get more specific about um, our own, you know, wishes and, and decisions for health care and then communicate those with our loved ones. So I would say for, for parents of young adults and grandparents, you know, um, it's really saying, you know, we want to protect you. We want to make sure that if something happens, you're covered. Um, but then also it's turning it back on, on they can use that as a, a way for themselves to share, you know, their wishes. So, you know, I care about you. I want to protect you. And I want and I want you to know what I would want too should something happen to me. And so it, it truly is a family conversation. There's different ways that we can, we go about it. And, um, you know, I'm in the same situation as a, you know, as a parent of young children, um, you know, having these conversations 
you know, through as you're, you're through life transitions and, and it's really not so much even about, you know, it's ourselves, it's about protecting our family. And if something were to happen, um, you know, before our time, um, you know, what kind of legacy do we want to leave? You know, do we want to um, make sure that this kind of stuff is covered and that people can step right in and make decisions and, and kind of, you know, allow a, a um, you know, a pretty, you know, possibly a crisis situation to just go a little bit smoother? Um, or do we want to, you know, um, make it, you know, even more complicated? And we know that um, family members, you know, in a crisis, if there's no paperwork, if there's been no conversations, it's almost like, um, you know, they can have PTSD after the fact, just because of all of the um, the rigmarole that they that they go through, and, and possibly having the courts involved to have a decision maker named, and it can be very expensive to go that route. And um, you know, really, on in in the end, we want to make sure that we're honoring that individual person, no matter you know what their age is or, or what their situation. But we just need to know what they want. Um, and we need to have, so that starts with those conversations and then those legal documents ahead of time. Important conversations to, ha- to have. And then, of course, the paperwork is to follow. We're going to take a pause here, but we're going to talk further about what the next step would be. And then, again, how you can encourage your loved ones to start this planning process. Ellen Kosky is my guest, director of the Fox Valley Advanced Care Planning Partnership. We'll take a pause back in just a bit right here on WHBY. And we are back and having important conversations and learning about the important conversation in regards to healthcare decisions, taking a few weeks prior to National Healthcare Decisions Day. That's coming up on April 16th. And we are once again joined by Ellen Kosky. She is the director of the Fox Valley Advanced Care Planning Partnership. Welcome back, Ellen. Thank you so much. All right. So we just spoke and got some great information again on, on the importance of having this conversation. But of course, what comes next is the paperwork. We need to get it in writing. How can the Advanced Care Planning Partnership then help in, in figuring out that paperwork, Ellen? Yeah, absolutely. So um, through our partnership with our um, with the healthcare systems, we have a free class um, that's occurring almost every week of the month somewhere within the Fox Valley. So um, three of them are up here in Appleton, one's down in Oshkosh, um, that, you know, prov- that provides um, the, the basic information about the advanced directive documents and then literally walks through the document page by page with people to make sure they're fully understanding what it is that they're filling out, understanding the question. A lot of times the questions um, can be easily misinterpreted. Um, and then um, also then help to witness those documents and make them legal. So along this process, we, you know, we found a way to make it pretty complicated. And the documents are, are a barrier and they can be challenging. So we are here to help. We use an evidence-based model. All of our classes use the same model. Um, our volunteers are all, are all certified advanced care planning facilitators. And they're there to walk with people to, again, to understand what the document is, is asking 
to um, to witness it, to make sure that it can truly be made legal, to make copies, um, to make sure a copy gets back to their their medical provider to get scanned in and put into their electronic medical record, which is just a um, a really great step to just get taken care of because you know if something were to happen, then we have it available on file if if somebody wants that. Um, and so those are available, um, like I said, almost every week of the month. And all of this is on our website, um, on our community calendar uh, at svacpp.org. So Fox Valley Advanced Care Planning Partnership, those initials for that, .org, um, has all of those classes um, listed on there. And people can register and attend um, those classes, any one uh, of the classes. Um, you know, will will be is helpful. Depend, it doesn't matter which um, healthcare system somebody you know uses regularly. Um, in addition, if those classes don't work, we offer free uh, appointments, either one on one or uh, with a with um, a family, um, to do the same thing. And so, uh, people can just give us a call um, at nine two zero nine nine seven eight four one two, and we can set up those appointments. Um, when we are not in uh, in pandemic times, uh, we can even make house calls for people who maybe it's a challenge for them to get into the clinic. But generally, though, we're meeting at, at um, a clinic somewhere within the area that is convenient for the community member um, just to, again, have the conversation with them, help them understand what this is um, and maybe what it isn't, and then also to be there to support them with that uh, power of attorney and advanced directive document. Um, also on our website, excuse me, we have lots and lots of um, great information and resources to continue that conversation. So to either share that information with family members, to learn a little bit more, um, it really is what you make of it. You know, you can um, be, um, you know, put a whole bunch of information into your document or just what you need to put into it, what you're comfortable with. Um, but then, you know, really, how can you enhance that conversation and um, and you know, bring that document to life through talking about it with your loved ones and anybody who is in your support network really should be having these conversations with you. And I can say, Ellen, from going to your website, you do really make it easy. I believe you have a start here (laughs) section, Mm -hmm. which is so helpful, (laughs) so helpful. And I know that you are gearing up for National Healthcare Decisions Day, which is April 16th. So what kind of planning is in place for that? And where can people learn more? Yeah, yeah. So every year, um, National Healthcare Decisions Day is a national initiative that encourages people of all ages to share their personal wishes, so really to do what we're doing every day. And honestly, I like to think of every day as National Healthcare Decisions Day, but um, <laughs> it's kind of cool that they've they've dedicated this day. So it's always April 16th, the day after tax day, because as Benjamin Franklin said, there's nothing more certain in life than death and taxes. And so, <laughs> um, you know, another great way to sort of start that conversation. Um, we always try to do some type of outreach and some way to kind of get the word out more than what we, we do every day. But so this year, um, we put together a really cool series of short conversations. So they're going to be <clears throat> 30 to 45 minutes with trusted experts, um, really to, for them to give just a, um, a, a little bit of background about <clears throat> what is advanced care planning from that area, and then really to open it up for question Q&A. So questions for these experts and then a, conversa- a community conversation. So we're going to start on Monday, April 12th um, with, um, uh, focus on the legal community. So we'll be featuring 
uh, Ben Adams from McCarty Law, and he's an elder law attorney, <clears throat> focusing on, um, you know, why is advanced care planning, why is uh, future planning for health care and our health care needs important from a legal standpoint? On Tuesday, April 13th, we'll focus on the medical standpoint. So we're going to be featuring Dr. Tim Jessick uh, with ThetaCare on, um, and as he talks about really that importance for uh, of planning ahead and how can you have really meaningful conversations with your healthcare team as well as your families um, about um, your wishes and, and what your goals are for, for your life. Uh, Wednesday, April 14th, we're going to dig deeper into um, why, why and how advanced care planning may change or be, um, you know, be important should somebody be diagnosed with a serious illness like cancer um, and how can, or even how can you take that experience of, of going through cancer care or cancer treatment um, and use that to apply to future decisions or how you would, you know, move, move forward in your life. So that'll be featuring Kim Kenner, who's with the um, American Cancer Society. And then finally, on Thursday, April 15th, we're going to wrap it up with a call to action uh, featuring Kimberly C. Paul. Um, she's a national um, end-of-life yeah. educator and advocate. Um, she runs a podcast called Death by Design, and She's really, really engaging um, around the importance of contemplating and thinking about and planning and, and talking about our wishes for, for end-of-life care. Such important information. So of, yes. Yeah. Such important information, Ellen, and we are sadly running up against the clock here. So I appreciate you coming on today, and we will make sure to link everything that Ellen mentioned over on WHBY.com. But, Ellen, thank you very much for your insight today. So much was was learned. I so appreciate your time and, and the work that you do with the Fox Valley Advanced Care Planning Partnership. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. We've got your CBS News update coming up next. Focus Fox Valley on this rainy Tuesday afternoon. Hey, everyone. I'm Haley Tenpass. Glad to be with you. And we will talk all about our forecast coming up in less than 15 minutes with Brad Spakowitz and the First Alert weather team. Stay with us for that. But right now we are talking about our community and education and how you can have a role in funding our education. Learning more today about Give Education Day with the Oshkosh Area School District and joining us now on our Settlers Bank phone lines is Teresa Duran. She's the director of the Oshkosh Area School District Education Foundation, and she joins us now again on our Settlers Bank phone lines. Good afternoon, Teresa. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Uh, Glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So fill us in here, Teresa. You've got Give Education Day happening tomorrow. It's a 24-hour event, and you've got a matching opportunity here as well. Fill us in on this exciting day ahead. Yeah, so Give Education is actually a national, this is the first year of a national uh, Give Education Day. We decided that we wanted to participate, and we approached our friends at the Oshkosh Area Community Foundation and asked them if they would uh, be interested in matching, and without a moment's hesitation, they said absolutely yes. So we started a couple of weeks ago really uh, putting out our information on social media. This is entirely online, 
uh, like uh, many things have been uh, in this last sort of unprecedented year with uh, all the challenges that we've had. So we've been pushing our information out on our Facebook page and through email and uh, asking folks to, you know, get ready, get geared up for March 24th. All right. So it's a $1,500 matching gift, again, from the Oshkosh Area Community Foundation for Give Education Day. Tell us more, Teresa, about some of the needs that the district has and and how these funds are are going to help with that. Uh, Yeah, sure. Great. Uh, So we are designating this money to really kind of uh, we're going to we're going to put it in three areas. The first is uh, materials and and supplies for um, our classrooms that are that are really beyond uh, the building budget. We've surveyed our teachers in the past and 98 percent of those surveyed are are using money out of their own pocket to buy different supplies for their classrooms. So we want to help them. You know, we want to support uh, our, our classrooms, give them some money so they're not paying out of their pocket. Uh, the second area that we'll designate some of these dollars to is teacher grants. They have, you know, interesting, new, innovative classroom projects. We want to support that. And then the last area that we are going to designate some of these dollars towards is basic needs um, for our most vulnerable students. We want to make sure there's a fund available at our different schools uh, to meet the, the, those needs. Wow. Okay. So a lot of different ways to see these dollars in action. And so you mentioned materials and supplies, projects, and and then helping the students themselves. So kind of three ways to make your dollar go further. Double your dollar truly again with that match from the Community Foundation in the Oshkosh area. I know that, Teresa, this past year has been a challenge, especially for our students, especially for our for our teachers. But have you heard any success stories, uh, maybe from the district, based on funds that are raised through the Education Foundation? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, one of the, the most important things that we've been able to do is to uh, provide uh, engaging uh, materials for kids uh, to support their continued learning at home. That really meets kids where they are at in terms of their their education. It might be mathematics, it might be literacy, so really supplementing that education that, that, that they're receiving. Um, we have also uh, uh, designated uh, a significant amount of money this year towards basic needs um, for uh, our most vulnerable students as well as this generous, generous community contributed an enormous amount of money uh, early on in the pandemic, especially to uh, support our grab-and-go meal program. Yes. So so there have been many opportunities and um, and just overwhelming support from this generous community. All right, Teresa, so fill us in again on, on where people can go. How can they donate tomorrow to double that dollar? The best way to do this uh, is to go to our Facebook page. Um, If you go to Facebook and you just look, uh, do a search for OASD, which is Oshkosh Area School District, OASD Education Foundation, we will pop up. Um, We have all kinds of links and posts through that. So that's going to be the best way for me to read out the the website. It's not going to be very effective. So I really encourage everyone to go to Facebook. OASD Education Foundation, and you will find us. 
All right. And we will make sure to link this as well over at WHBY.com. But again, one day only, 24 hours, your chance for the first ever Give Education Day. Teresa, why would you encourage people again to consider donating tomorrow? Uh, I would encourage them as an opportunity to support their district. Um, We love our donors. Uh, We can be very effective in filling those gaps that are beyond the operational budget. That's what we're here for. It's a terrific opportunity. All right. We appreciate your time today. Teresa Duran, Oshkosh Area School District Education Foundation Director, taking a few moments to fill us in on the Give Education Day opportunity tomorrow. We will post those details and a way to donate at WHBY.com. Thank you again, Teresa, for your time tonight. Thank you. All right, 527 is the time and still ahead on Focus Fox Valley. Your first alert forecast, Brad Spakowitz checking in. And then we are focused on National Ag Day, Agriculture Day here in the entire nation, actually. But we're going to focus here on the Fox Valley and specifically uh, agriculture education. We'll talk further with Fox Valley Tech coming up next here on WHBY. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley here on WHBY Real Local Radio. Well, today happens to be National Agriculture Day. It's part of National Agriculture Week. And you know what? If you haven't already, thank a farmer today because they they deserve our appreciation. So we're talking National Ag Day today. And we're also going to be checking in with Fox Valley Technical College. Sarah Mills Lloyd joins me now. She is the department chair of the Horticulture and Farm Operations Department and also is an agribusiness and science technology instructor at Fox Valley Tech. And she joins us now on our Settlers Bank phone lines. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And and Sarah knows, and I think our listeners know this topic and this department is near and dear to my heart as, as my dad was part of the department for 37 years. So Sarah, so happy to welcome you in and to talk one of my favorite things, which is agriculture. So happy Ag Day. Happy Ag Day to you. All right. So fill us in. What is Ag Day and, and who does it support? Which industries are, are kind of aligned with agriculture here? So Ag Day is really a day to recognize and to celebrate, really, the abundance provided by agriculture. So every year, producers, agricultural associations, corporations, universities, government agencies, and many others join together to recognize those contributions of agriculture. And as such, um, part of the whole process is celebrating and recognizing the contribution of that agriculture to our everyday lives. And so part of it is to encourage Americans really to understand how food and fiber products are produced, um, to value then um, the role of agriculture in maintaining a strong strong economy, and then also to appreciate the role agriculture plays in having safe, abundant, and affordable products. So it stretches across the board, we'll say that, into many different industries as we look at it. It's not just agriculture in food and fiber and fuel, but, you know, if you think about it, agriculture goes across the board into food manufacturing and biotechnology, even to the hospitality industry, Um, obviously infrastructure, because we need to get things from point A to point B, 
and also a lot of computer-assisted technology, so engineering capabilities um, that help us to produce that more efficiently. It's so many, it touches so many different areas. And I think one of the most interesting to learn about has been the advancements in technology in the past couple of decades. I know that there are so many programs involving agriculture and courses involving agriculture at Fox Valley Tech. Tell us more about what you all are teaching our, our, our folks in the agriculture industry. Sure. So at Fox Valley Tech, we have associate degree programs, technical diplomas, and also certificates. So depending on level of interest, we have a lot to suit needs out there. We have actually 38 ag-related programs um, within our context of the agriculture department, Um, some that deal with agronomy, dealing with dairy technicians, um, thinking about the animal science side, even getting into equipment service, so ag power, um, outdoor power, and then even horticulture. So we have a lot of different vast um, employment, we'll say, and also education, even veterinary technician is the the program that's the most um, new to our um, area in our department. So the highlight of that certainly is something to which that we can benefit pretty much all of us through agriculture and the offerings that we have through Fox Valley Tech. I'm really glad you mentioned the the vet tech program, Sarah, because it brings in another interesting point in our conversation today. While we are celebrating National Ag Day, the month of March also happens to be Women's History Month. And as we've been kind of having conversations on Focus Fox Valley this month, we've been highlighting industries that women are, are doing well in. And agriculture is one of them. And specifically, Fox Valley Tech's agriculture program really seeing um growth of, of, of women enrolled in, in agribusiness and in this vet tech program as well. Can you tell us more about this, Sarah? Yeah, absolutely. So the college really in our area, will say, has seen a 26% increase in female enrollment in our 38 related ag programs really over the past three years. And in comparison, um, to look at that, so in 2018-2019, we had 28% of agriculture students were female. And in the, the most recent year, so 2021 here, we have 54% that are female. So the attribution to that really is um, that growth in the addition of the veterinary technician program, but also another program that came on board in alignment with that through um, a technical, or I should say, an associate's degree program, which is our animal science um, specific degree that you can also get. So, you know, that we've really had that growth um, through all of that and thinking that, you know, those female dominated career fields that are there. So veterinary technician, animal science that many people naturally gravitate towards. It's great news. What are you hearing from students going through the program and, and why they maybe chose a career in agriculture? You know, one of the things I can probably attribute to of thinking through that is that we do have, in a sense, that same reflection upon the instructors that are also in the department. So we have a good, um, diverse group of individuals that also encompasses a lot of female instructors. And from that, I think, you know, through our individuals that we and students that we teach, I think they can also maybe view us as role models for themselves, too, um, mm-hmm. in the agriculture fields as Many of us have been content experts and coming from a diverse group of different um, 
careers related to agriculture, I think that they can then feel comfortable and free to ask us questions of the time that we were in the field doing what they are looking to doing. Hmm. So what is the future looking like in regards to to women, uh, not even not only, you know, coming into this industry even more, but, uh, you know, starting to really gain speed and and, you know, find role models in this industry as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, there is a great opportunity, we'll say, in that the thinking process that's behind it of, you know, having a diverse workforce, I can't think of a better way of having that diversity to come up with and create and develop and implement creative solutions to problems. So having women being a part of that conversation also um, and bringing everyone to the table of having unique gifts and talents that we can certainly utilize those to create those innovative solutions. But certainly, you know, there's a path and a career um, for everyone and thinking through what that means for you. Obviously, you know, we, through the different attributes of having um, advancements in animal handling facilities and animal care practices, that I think women can really see themselves being a part of those industries because there's not maybe that physical barrier that once was there that rather than you know, the standard practices that we had that they're willing to see themselves in that career role. Sarah Mills Lloyd joining me now, Department Chair of the Horticulture and Farm Operations Department, also an agribusiness and science technology instructor at Fox Valley Tech. And we're, we're celebrating National Ag Day, but also learning more about how women have a huge role in agriculture today and, and the numbers prove it, Sarah, when you see, um, you know, how enrollment at Fox Valley Tech has done over the past uh, three years. So some great news there for our community here in the Fox Valley, for for all of us. How can we support agriculture in Wisconsin, Sarah? So one of the things that you started off by saying was thank a farmer. So by doing that, our dollars can thank them in ways, too. So thinking through buying local, um, you know, going to farmer's market, buying local produce, um, supporting community agriculture, um, supported agriculture, CSAs, um, thinking and buying logistically products that come back and support our local industries being dairy as such. So um, buying dairy products um, that can happen, you know, visiting even restaurants that support the um, farm to fork movement um, and buying local foods. You know, certainly those are all ways that you can contribute to agriculture and the livelihood that many individuals gain from that. But then thinking about, you know, supporting maybe um, even possibly tech, we have scholarships that we offer to the students. So certainly putting some money towards that um, for the future education of other people in the industry of agriculture. All right, giving us all an excuse to go right now and get some ice cream. Sarah, thank you. Not that we needed an excuse, but uh, it's a great way to support to support a farmer and to support agriculture here. And and thank you, Sarah, for giving us some insight again to the, the ever-growing programs at Fox Valley Tech and seeing growth of women as well as part of those programs too. So some great news there. Keep up the good work, and thank you again for, for all you do in the world of agriculture. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the ability to share. Sarah Mills Lloyd, again, Department Chair of the Horticulture and Farm Operations Department, also Agribusiness and Science Technology Instructor at Fox Valley Tech. Happy National Ag Day to each and every one of you. 5.54 is the time. We will take a pause. We've got some tax tips coming up brought to you by Hailing and Associates.
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.